If you were like me growing up as a kid in the 90s, you probably remember the store Claire's, the uh, tchotchke jewelry store that was in the mall uh, across the entire United States, uh, recently went bankrupt. Uh, and today we want to talk about some of the downfalls, some of the uh, things that they probably didn't do very well. But then we also want to talk about the recent success that they've had, believe it or not, and the things that they've changed and are seemingly doing right. And so this episode is not only about Claire's, uh, but also about, most importantly, what can we as retailers learn from what they did in the past and what they are now working on in the future. Now on to the episode. And welcome to the Better Business Podcast, the podcast that helps you improve your family-owned retail business. My name is Steve Cook. I'm a third-generation business owner, and with the things I've learned and talk about on the show, I've taken my family's retail business to over $10 million in sales. Now let's get to the show. Claire's Retail Store which is, you might not remember, the popular mall store that everyone's sisters or yourself got their ears pierced growing up, at least my family did. Um, it recently fell on hard times, if you didn't hear. In 2018, it declared bankruptcy and closed 189 stores. But just like is written in the Bible. There's nothing new under the sun. All things revolve around and come back in style eventually. Now Gen Z is getting behind Claire's and Claire's is making a comeback. In 2019, just one year after their bankruptcy, there was 89% of its locations were in, or 80% of its locations were in malls. But since that time, in just a short amount of time here, it has launched 13,000 partner locations. Uh, these partner locations are in CVS, Albertsons, and soon to be Walmart. Uh, the Claire's retailer claims that it's doubling down on retail and has actually filed for its IPO. Um, so they are booming. Um, so today, I want to talk about what can we learn from Claire's? Like what is, what is, uh, what mistakes did they make in the past? And then also what are they doing right now? They are doubling down on retail. This entire podcast is about retail. What can we learn from Claire's that obviously they're seeing success in retail. So wh what do we, what do we need to learn from this? What can we do in our retail stores, uh, to improve and to, uh, steal ideas off of what Claire's is doing. So, uh, did you know all this about Claire's? Are you, is this all new information to you? How do you feel about it, Chris? Yeah, this is all new information to me. Um, I definitely grew up going to the mall and, and seeing Claire's, um, did I'm sure that there? Don't I was just going to say, I'm sure I've wandered in once or twice, <laughs> but I've, I don't think I've ever made a purchase there. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to speak about this because I'm mostly just going to be able to speak about it from what I perceive and my ideas, uh, can't really speak as a, as a loyal Claire's customer myself, <laughs> not a consumer like the crumble cookie episode, huh? No, right. I, yeah, every every week I'll go buy my crumble and, and just remember that 
probably not going to have anything to buy at Claire's. Um, so the first thing I want to focus on is what the heck did Claire's do wrong? Um, you know, I have some opinions and I think it's probably the most obvious. Um, but I think the number one lesson that I took away from the fall of Claire's, just like a ton of other, um, brands that were heavily, heavily focused on the mall is that foot traffic is king for a retail store. Mm. And when you are focused in a mall environment and we've seen the decline of malls over the last several decades, uh, and if that's what you're solely responsible or that's what you're solely relying on is that foot traffic from the mall, uh, then obviously at some point those those uh, feet stop coming in and that starts to hurt your sales. Um, the other thing I thought is that I, I, I would imagine that e-commerce has probably had its effect on Claire's as well. Um, you know, e-commerce for small, tiny, shippable products that need no explanation, that need no touching and feeling, you know, uh, jewelry and things like that. It doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you have a good picture online, especially cheap jewelry, uh, especially. I feel like that's, that's, you know, just something that you probably don't have to have in the palm of your hands to feel it, touch it. Um, so I think that those two things, the foot traffic thing and e-commerce were my first two uh, immediate inclinations. What What about you? Did you have anything different from that? Yeah, I, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, the decline of the mall, um, I think maybe the soundbite might be the decline of the mall is was the rise of e-commerce and probably and particularly Amazon. That's probably the soundbite. I think we all know that there are many, many more layers of that nuance, but I will say that Brands that you saw get out of the mall, uh, not get out of the mall, brands that you saw continue to do well in the mall were brands that were early on capitalizing on e-commerce and then app development. So brands that developed their own apps in, uh, in this shopping space, essentially what they did is they recognized the writing on the wall. The foot traffic is leaving the physical space of the mall and it's moving to the digital space of the internet firstly and then app stores secondly um and so i think that that's right in line my my advice or my uh lesson i would take away is, is similar to yours they just probably held their hand a little too long on the guaranteed foot traffic of a common space uh to come hang out and i think it's really telling that you started this episode by talking about gen z because i'll tell you my gen z kids are desperate for a mall to go hang out at. They look, uh, they watch Stranger Things, and and they go, where is a where is a mall that I can go hang out at like that? And so mm. it's very interesting that I think what you <laughs> still see happen is the traditional aspect of before there were phones and apps and the internet, everybody went to a mall to hang out and shop and eat. It was a it was a common place, and I know that. We go way back when malls came in, they actually were the death also of a lot of mom and pop stores and a lot of uh, mm. Main Street you know, shopping because that moved to the suburbs or moved to the edge of town where larger plots of land were available. So overall, let me just sum it up and say this. You're right. Everything is cyclical. And also, um, you just have to retail. The name of the game is you got to be a couple steps ahead of what's happening. You have to be looking at that, that trend, that writing on the wall 
and moving in that direction, that's your risk in retail. Like you're going to carry risk every season of, do I, do I stock this item and hope that it sells well, but on an overall business umbrella, you also are having to risk trends and where, where people's behavior is headed and having to figure that out and make plans. So I would say that was probably their big downfall. I mean, you saw, you know, brands quickly move to e-commerce like Nike, like, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, which actually now is (laughs) gone anyway. So, you know, bankrupt now. Um, so it's kind of crazy to even say that, but those brands got out and made catalog shopping big again among younger generations and then embraced internet and apps fast. Um, and I think that, you know, Nike is a good example of a brand that very well utilizes their app because they, it is basically just, if you're a shoe geek or a shoe nerd or a sneakerhead, their app is so minimal and beautiful, but it is constantly pitching you new stuff that's coming out from them. So as a sales platform, they really said, man, people are, are less and less coming to our stores and malls or buying our products from shoe stores and malls. We are going to have to take control of this direct to consumer approach. So that's, those are my thoughts, but I think you're right. It, it's, it was naturally the decline of the mall, but Claire's didn't quite pick it up enough, fast enough. So I would say um, it, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that e-commerce and staying on top of technology was probably a great play for places like Nike, things like that. Um, however... I do think that there's a, another approach. If you have small shippable products, yes, e-commerce is one way to stay on top of that. However, um, there is places like the Apple Store, at least in our little mall mm, here. Um, that's a good point. I, I kid you not, the last time I went there, and it was probably like a year or two ago, I I had something wrong with either my phone or laptop or something, and I went to the Apple store that that's the only one around here is inside the mall. And I pulled up and I was like, is this place still open? Like the mall. I mean, it was like scary, scary slow almost, you know, and it was like a Tuesday morning or whatever, you know, so it wouldn't be a, a shopping time anyways. I went in and I was like, dude, this is almost creepy. It was like so dead quiet. I come around the corner to the Apple store and you would have thought it was freaking black Friday in there. There was people everywhere. And so what I take away from that is Apple could be on e-commerce, but why did, why was everybody in there? They needed a service or they needed to touch and feel something or they needed help like a technical person or whatever. So, and we talked about this on a lot of episodes, but if you have a small shippable product, either get your butt in gear on e-commerce, which yeah. is not really what this podcast is about. Uh, yeah. You know, if you have a retail store, get into e-commerce. That's the main takeaway from our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so either that or have a service, have something more than just here's our little crap, our tchotchkes or whatever, you know, yep, yep. Um, have a service behind the small thing or have an experience or whatever it yep. might be. And I say push it another step further and say both and. So the way that Apple is able to keep so many retail stores open and keep them full is you're totally right. They have a highly successful e-com model where people buy and receive through, you know, freight ship um, many, many of their products. I have never bought an Apple uh, iPhone at the app at the Apple store. It's always been shipped to me. Um, mm-hmm. but their service is 
is so, so crucial to the experience in their store. So you can go in and, you know, they've got all kinds of services. You can learn, you can take a today at Apple class, you can get tips. Um, you can just touch stuff because literally everything they sell is there. Um, not presented in the traditional retail environment, right? Like you go into the Apple store and you want to buy a phone, you have to talk to somebody and point to the phone you want. And then they go get it from the back because it's not out here. Everything in the footprint of the Apple store is experiential. Let's touch mm. it. Let's show it in its absolute best light, fully charged, cleaned multiple times a day. I think someone told me they clean their screens, every screen in the store, uh, 12 times a day. So what? all of this is very, very high experience. And I would say if you're a retail store who knows that you have online orders, you're getting people to you know buy stuff from you uh, online, but you but you cannot let go yet of that of that brick and mortar the you know foot traffic store then you have to double down on the experience why Utilize is it cool to come in here what benefit am i getting to come in here and for a lot of brands that is education and that is experience touching it something interesting and fun that you simply cannot get and claire's is in the same boat they're not piercing people's ears over the internet <laughs> you know they have services that you have to show up for I would say that if they're going to make this IPO successful and they're really going to thread this needle, they have to make those experiences next level. And that might mean increasing the price on the experience, but doubling down on how cool it is, how special it is, um, how uh, um, desirable it is, right? You want to make Gen Z desire coming in to your, to your shop. That's how you're reaching the next generation. It's got to be an experience. I feel like that's really where Toys R Us got caught with their pants down too. Oh man, they, they not only didn't get on e-commerce. I I was listening to the uh, a documentary of uh, Amazon, and I didn't yeah. realize the relationship that they had with Amazon from the very very beginning. They were just yeah, like, you've told, talked about uh, that before. We don't think e-commerce is a big deal. Like y'all can take it, you know, just yeah. have at it. And uh, and so not only did they not get on board with e-commerce, but also they didn't ever really like triple down on an experience per se, mm -hmm. um, you know, like a fun zone or anything like that. Or uh, Yeah. And can't you, you just know, imagine whatever. like Toys R Us had the best setup for an experience when you come into their stores. And, and I would say practical retail advice. Just let's slide this in here real quick. If you're a retailer, do not stock your store like a warehouse. Nobody shops warehouses. That's what makes warehouses, not retail environments. That's what makes people overwhelmed when we try to shop Amazon Prime Day. It's just so much. Limit your shop to the true experience. And, to, and going back to Toys R Us, can you not imagine just the incredible fun place that it would be if you showed up to Toys R Us and one of everything was on display that you could literally play with? And instead of it being stocked shelves of boxes with bright colored images, you played with something and you said to a sales associate, I will have one of these. I'll have two of these. I want to give five of these away to my nieces and nephews for Christmas. And they said, sure, right, right, right away. We'll go gather them for you. That makes that shopping experience. Um, not just me coming in and having this exchange. That's what's on. That's what online is for, right? I go online. I kind of have an idea of what I want. I might do a little bit of research, read some reviews, but mostly I'm there to put down a credit card number and have it shipped to my house. These days when we show up somewhere, 
we want, and we had did a whole episode on this, right? Where we talked about um, how to pull foot traffic in, what people would desire. We want something special and that experience um, similar to the Apple store. And that's the thing. It's not because the Apple store sells really high-end products, luxury watches at this point, same price point. It's simply because they invested in the experience. If you've got tchotchkes, you've got tiny shippable items and your e-com is doing well, I know you've converted me. I'm going to use the word tchotchke now. I've seen it so many times since... I didn't. You said use it that first time. I had no you, clue. Like, you thought I was speaking here? another language. I literally thought I had to Google it to prove it to you. I know it's so true. <laughs> but if you've got those small shippable items, right? Your store can't just be okay. Come in and see a thousand of these small shippable items. They're one person. They might buy one or two or three at most. So use well, your. Well, and also the internet is going to do that better. The Absolutely internet will do that better. You Always can sit in your lazy boy and it'll show up on your front porch. Yep. If yep. you are, you have to seriously question yourself. Why is this better, more fun, cheaper, yep. a better experience, more convenient than sitting on my couch and having it show up on my front door in a day or two? And yep. if you can't answer that, then you're at, at risk of, of uh, being in the same spot. And gosh, there's just so much there to unpack. I mean, you're talking about... If you've got an e-com uh, funnel and you've got an in-store experience, you might be able to map your customer journey from people who went one direction and transitioned to the other or went the other way, vice versa. You can um, find in your customer journey people who exclusively shop one or the other. Like look at your customer data for in-store experiences, in-store shopping, and see, are there people who've never once bought anything from our website? Those people only care about the experience. So I need to segment them off in my email marketing, get them over in my social or my text groups to something that's very experience-driven and start raising that price because those people only care about that. Vice versa, if you've got somebody who's shopped online with you and never once been in your store or bought anything in your store, segment them off and run a specific sale or promotion to get those people to buy more because that's one of the three ways we know a business can make more money. So you're really then leveraging that data. Um, and there's just so much to unpack there, but, but retailers have to face that music that, that it's not just one or the other. Um, unless you just don't have a brick and mortar store again, which this podcast probably isn't for you, but if you've got that brick and mortar store, you're not signing the soul of your store over to the internet gods or devils. When you launch e-com, you are intentionally using a different channel and then you have to turn back to your brick and mortar and make it more unique. hundred percent. Uh, let's move on to lessons that we can learn from their rise again. So we talked, mm. you know, this is probably why they failed from two random guys sitting in Oklahoma city. This is why we think this huge, no idea what Claire's strategy was, but <laughs> we're willing to talk about uh, it. So that was why they, uh, fell, but why, what, what can we learn from their rise again? Obviously they're doing good things. The company is, um, inclining again. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about what are they doing right right now? Mm. Um, one thing that, uh, I don't think they're doing that we've talked a lot about is creating an experience per se. Uh, mm. I don't think they're really, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm missing a little bit. I didn't, I just, I just read one or two articles on this. Uh, but 
One thing that I think they are doing a lot better is they are headed to places where foot traffic is above and beyond where they used to be. So they positioned themselves in malls because it was so heavy into foot traffic. They capitalized on that for many years, but then once that foot traffic left, they then declined. So now they're trying to move into different places where they can um, have this foot traffic. I do think that they're incredibly smart in um, knowing that they cannot just create their own store and get people to come in. They, they understand that they are a uh, walk by and think, hmm, maybe I could use that. Or, you know, it is a very low um, thought, low cost um, item that they are selling. And they do understand that, um, that they're not going to be able to just slap up a, their own brick and mortar store and, and attract a large crowd. Um, if they were, I think that they would have to really triple down on the experience portion that we've just talked about. Agreed. But they have decided to go to CVS, Albertsons, and now Walmart. Um, mm. Albertsons and Walmart, obviously groceries, is a constant pull of people into their stores very often. Um, and CVS, with their pharmacy and the need for uh, people to also go in on a consistent basis to get stuff in a pharmacy, um, have seen a, a consistent traffic count that way. Um, so... What do you think about this? What are they doing right uh, now? Anything anything besides those? Well, I think that's genius. First of all, uh, you know, you'll notice Target doing similar things, um, which kind of long ago, this, is, this has been the sleeper of this game, really. You've seen Starbucks and Pizza Hut partner with Target for branded in-store presence. Uh, but now you see CVS bringing pharmacy to target, clinics to target. Uh, you see Ulta, the cosmetics brand or cosmetics shop, uh, putting in-store experiences um, into target that are branded. It's not, you know, it's not like Ulta just started stocking shelves in target. They've got their own footprint. And same as probably what Claire's is going to do um, in these grocery stores and pharmacies. I think it's genius because it really is, like you said, Steve, we're following that foot traffic. Um, people aren't going to malls as much as they are uh, these days. And so we want to be somewhere where they are. And as a, as a physical foot traffic thing, those grocery stores, those pharmacies are where it's at. If you're a smaller retailer and you're looking for, how could I do this? I'm not going to strike up a deal with Target. I would say go and look where the foot traffic in your town is in a locally owned place. Is it a restaurant you that you know could use a little branded corner um, from your store because they need some consistent revenue, right? Hey, and, and first off, ask yourself if... First off, ask yourself if you are the traffic source or if you are the convenience That's player. good. You know, That's like really a feed store, we are the traffic source. Yep. So who can we talk to that would um, be able to capitalize on that? And then we can charge rent or we can charge a percent of sales or, or whatever yep. it might be. Uh, so first of off, options. ask yourself that. And I, I would say that, that chasing that foot traffic is important. And then, you know, again, I have to fully admit, I have no idea what Claire's is doing with their e-commerce funnels or, you know, channels. But um, gosh, it seems like the easiest thing in the world to create that fast fashion, fast jewelry corner of out of an app, out of a subscription service. Like 
my daughter has bought stuff at Claire's and I know for a fact it doesn't last very long. So why are we <laughs> not on a subscription model where she gets 10 new rings every month? So I think that if they're, if they're not doing that, they need to listen to this podcast and take our advice. Uh, but but again, we, we go back to this as a retailer. How can you consistently bring in some kind of relationship with your customers, whether it's a subscription, whether it's a, um, a notification like Crumble where you say these are our new cookies and there's a reason for me to engage. Um, so I would say that Claire's needs to look at that. They're doing really well to create and carve out new foot traffic centric places in their business. My question would be, how are you going to support that with your e-com business that's fast, quick, and profitable. I think that's the big difference there. You need to invest in the experience in retail and that's gonna cost some money. But in your e-com channel, you need to be able to maximize profit so that you can push it over to your experience. And, and much like Apple, you get to hold both really well. I would venture to say that Apple makes far more from a customer who only ever orders on the Apple Store app gets stuff shipped to them, never shows up for a Genius Bar appointment, and Apple spends a whole lot more on a customer who comes and has a shop specialist, get a product for them, check it out, you know, greet them, give them a retail bag, print out a receipt, all this stuff. But they hold both in this balance um, because they're able then to be that, that foot traffic place for the people who would never use the app. The, you know... Like my mom is never going to buy something from Apple on the app. She's going to show up to the store, ask a bunch of questions and get really great service. That's what she expects. And so they, they meet both our needs, uh, across those generations. So that's what I think Claire's is, is hopefully headed toward. Um, and all, all of our retail listeners should do as well. Yeah. I think the, the biggest takeaway from this is, uh, foot traffic is the king for retail stores. This is no secret, of course, but, uh, ask yourself, are you really, are people genuinely needing to come to your store for some reason? If they are not, you should partner with someone you should, um, you know, invest in, uh, looking into other places where you could maybe uh, mooch off of some of that foot mm -hmm. traffic uh, mm -hmm. from another source and uh, and of course pay for that you know uh, whether that's in the parking lot of a retail store whether that's inside of a retail store um, another uh, mutual person or uh, otherwise but um, again if you are their source of traffic like we are I mean we are a source of traffic uh, with horse feed that is something that you cannot stock up that much on you have to come in consistently and get it uh, for freshness reasons and things like that very similar to a grocery store and um, so something to think about something to look into is to uh, have another profit generator off of uh, subbing out some spaces inside your store or something like that. I would say that's kind of a somewhat of a summary of the uh, lessons that we see from Mrs. Claire, if you will. There you go. Chris, any final thoughts? I, you know, I think I just feel compelled to remind everybody again a lot of retailers, a lot of business owners who are small, it's really easy to think, well, I'm small. I could never do anything like Target does or Claire's does or Apple does. And I just want to remind you that that's bull. <laughs> like you can do that. Those are just ideas. And sure, the way a $3 trillion company 
executes those ideas is very naturally and perfectly okay going to be different than the way that you execute those ideas. But the ideas are scalable. That's what makes good business ideas great is that they're scalable. So how can you pull that experience that Apple gives at their Apple store and scale it to what you're doing? And same, Steve, as you mentioned, how can you take, uh, you know, Claire's going into Albertsons and Walmart with a, with a nook or a corner or a, a presence and, and scale it to where you are in your place, in your town. Um, it's just going to take some ingenuity and brainstorming. And um, so, yeah, that's my encouragement. It doesn't matter if you're small. Um, these ideas are for you as well. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode about Claire's. If you have a comment, if you have a question, if you have an idea for an episode, or if you have a uh, idea for a guest, please reach out to us. All of our contact information is in the show notes. And of course, if you need marketing advice, you can get with Chris, the marketing genius, the wise old owl in marketing wise old owl. And, uh, the, and reach out to him. His contact information is in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening.